G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Taking another opportunity today to get an update on what's happening in our near neighbours to the north. Talking about developments in Southeast Asia where there has been a real foothold of recent times of Islamic uprising. Dr. Peter Riddell is back with us. He is an expert on Islam, specialises in the Southeast Asian contexts, previously taught at the Australian National University, also in Indonesia and at the London School of Oriental and African Studies. These days, he is Vice Principal Academic with the Melbourne School of Theology and is widely published on Christian-Muslim relations. Let's get a focus on Malaysia today, Peter. A special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be back. Peter, Malaysia, this is an area, it's an old stamping ground of yours, and you've followed the way that Islam has begun to have a real footprint in this nation. In fact, the government moving towards an Islamization since the 1970s. Indeed, uh, indeed. Malaysia is a very interesting country, Neil, um, because it's uh, a society where Muslims are in the majority, but only just. Muslims represent 60% of the population, with non-Muslims 40%. So, in a sense, you would expect Malaysia might be a laboratory for Islamic pluralism, for Islamic working together with non-Muslims. Um, and that was the case for the first uh really 20 years, I guess, of Malaysian independence after 19, the early 1960s. But from the late 1970s, the Malaysian government introduced a program of, of Islamization under the leadership of its Prime Minister Mahathir, former Prime Minister Mahathir. And over the course of uh, the next 20 years and more, uh, little by little, an Islamic bureaucracy was established. Um, so courts were Islamic courts became stronger they became more empowered you found uh, an Islamic university was established uh, an Islamic department in the prime minister's department was established and so this Islamic bureaucracy started to have increasing power in the shape of the nation the, the internal shape of the nation and how policies affected the, the, the citizens of the nation and so little by little this has um, led to widespread Islamization, top-down Islamization. Now, when that happens, it starts to manifest itself at the grassroots. And some recent incidents have been especially concerning and have posed increasing pressure on some of the minorities, including Christians. Peter, when you talk about a government process, a drive towards Islamization, as you talk about under President Mahathir, uh, this idea of establishing courts and and little by little, bit by bit, like a, a slow incrementalism, but uh, people don't notice it along the way, but eventually you get to the point where there is such a, a foundation in place that Islam can rise in a significant way. Is that what you're describing in uh, the likes of uh, Malaysia? 
Yes, I am. That's exactly it, Neil. And interestingly, there's a, there's a clear, clear parallel in Pakistan. When governments put in place increasingly Islamic ministries and departments and institutions, uh, bureaucratic institutions, then they develop policies and those policies then impact the ordinary people, the little people. So they feel increasing pressure. The, the purpose of the Islamic bureaucracy and the goal of the Islamic bureaucracy is to make the nation more Islamic. So the 40% of the nation who are not Islamic start to feel the pressure after time. And there have been, there've been some incidents recently, for example, a, um, a, a laundrette uh, in one of the towns of Malaysia announced that it was only going to be serving Muslims henceforth. Um, and in another incident, a school indicated that the cups that were put out for use by students, some cups would be for Muslims only and other cups uh, would, not, would, would be set aside for non-Muslims. Um, there are stories of in certain suburbs of, of uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Islamic citizen groups going around telling people that they have to observe the dictates of Sharia law. So this is happening at the grassroots level as a result of this top-down Islamization from the Islamic bureaucracy. Not only do you have uh, those who are agitating for an Islamization uh, and those who are against that, it's not all Muslims who are in favour of the Islamization as well because as I understand it, there is a leadership of sultans in Malaysia that is against the idea of an Islamization. I guess Islam by name, but they appreciate their freedoms. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the, the divisions within Islam in Malaysia? And that's a very important point, because by no means are all Muslims in Malaysia comfortable with this top-down government-driven Islamization. Um, in fact, um, the, the Islamic bureaucracy that I've referred to represents a, a relatively new phenomenon. It's only been in place for 40 years, whereas for hundreds of years, the Islamic community in Malaysia was led by its traditional sultans, uh, nine of them. And what's been happening recently is that these sultans who have traditionally kept out of politics, they've become much more vocal in the last couple of months, really saying that we have to be very careful because Malaysia, through this policy of the Islamic bureaucracy, is fragmenting with this Islamic Islamization push. Uh, it's turning it... The sultans are saying Malaysia's heading in a direction, in the wrong direction. It should turn back and develop policies which, is much, which are much more open to all Malaysian citizens, not just Muslims. So there's a, there's a, we have, we're witnessing the beginning of a significant power struggle between the Islamic bureaucracy and the traditional sultans of Malaysia. It's going to be very interesting to see how it pans out. And Peter, your thoughts about little bits here, little bits there, as we mentioned, this slow incrementalism. Uh, before you know it, you've created a monster. Is that the way that it happens typically when there is a rise of Islam within a nation? Uh, well, yes. Um, I, know, I think, again, this applies equally to Malaysia as to Pakistan. Um, some years ago, I, I wrote a, an article for a, a chapter for a book in which, uh, for which I, I interviewed quite a number of leaders in, in Malaysia, leaders of the different religious communities, including uh, Christian leaders. And uh, the most, one of the most common expressions I heard was that Pre uh, Prime Minister Mahathir had created a Frankenstein through this Islamic bureaucracy and he... He, the government had lost control of it. I think that's absolutely true. Um, 
incremental Islamization means in- incremental exclusion of non-Muslims and also exclusion of those Muslims who stand against it. And it creates societal fragmentation. Malaysia is a society which could be could offer so much as a sort of site of Islamic pluralism, but it is literally cracking at the seams because of this uh, Islamic bureaucracy and the Islamization as a result. For those who have concerns about Islamization in Australia, uh, are those concerns founded? Is there a lesson or two we can learn from our near neighbours in what they're experiencing and what they've gone through over recent decades? Uh, What sort of fears or what sort of fears could you lay to rest uh, that Australians might hold about uh, the rise of Islam in Australia? Well, um, there are lessons to be drawn from from watching other other nations. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the first lesson to be, to to draw would be to, uh, I suppose, the importance of partnerships between um, Christians and um, and Muslims who are opposed to fundamentalist Islam. Malaysia is a good case in point. Um, there are quite a number of groups which are cross-religious groups, Christian and Muslim and Hindu groups, standing against this Islamization push. So it's very important to seek, uh, in resisting the trend of Islamization, to seek partners from other religious groups, including Muslims. So that's the first, the first lesson. Another lesson, I think, would be to stand against any cause for any aspect of Sharia law. Sharia law... Um, is has been the um, the call of fundamentalist Islamic groups for the last forty years across the world, and we're seeing the negative effects of the implementation of Sharia law in countries like Malaysia and Pakistan. Sharia law is the place for Sharia law is in the history books. It's there for students to study who want to study history. It has no place in the twenty first century. Uh, so any calls to implement aspects of Sharia law in places like Australia should be vigorously resisted and rejected. Well, Dr. Peter Riddell, always appreciate your insights. Uh, you are so valuable as a Christian commentary on those things that are happening in nations that are not on the other side of the world but are our near neighbours. Uh, appreciate your expertise on Islam. I'll point people to the Melbourne School of Theology where you are the Vice Principal Academic and I know that there are courses that you'd be encouraging people to do to get across the issues that have happened with the development of Islam in nearby neighbours and as it has developed around the world. You're widely published on Christian-Muslim relations and certainly appreciate your insights today on 2020. Thanks so much for being with us, Peter Riddell. Thank you, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.